Welcome to the Dreams Riding Me's Motivation Station. I'm your host, Ed Doxon. Today, I got a very special guest here today. Um, I say that every episode, that's because every guest is actually special. But um, today, I got my big brother, my big homie. Um, my friend, everything all in one. And, um, you know, through the podcast, I know you all have seen the people that have been coming on the show that I've met over the years. But I would say this guest is different because this is someone that I talk to every day. Um, this is someone that's played an important um, role in my life. And then when I talk about networking, this is probably one of the most influential, um, real, um, um, whatever, you know, just all in one, like great people in my network. So I'm happy to have Mr. Tony Lewis Jr. here on the show today. Man. What's good with you, right? Tell them, man. Good. Happy to be here. Nah, for sure. We live here in Miami. Um, you know, exactly. we down here by the water. Um, good vibes, great vibes. Uh, we had a, a hell of a night last night. Yeah. <laughs> hell of a day. You know the whole nine yards. But uh, for those who don't know Tony Lewis, and I think for the people that listen to the show and follow the show, most of them do know who you are. You know, based on my following of people from DC, Dale State, and just those that are in that community space. But for those who don't know who Tony Lewis is, tell the people who you are. Yeah. So uh, that's an activist author, advocate, um, whose focus is sort of at the intersection of gun violence, mass incarceration, um, and social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, from Washington, D.C., I've uh, been doing sort of direct service, uh, been in the work for about 22 years at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father of two girls, uh, but somebody that tries to just, you know, make, make his community, city, and ultimately the country a better place. For sure, for sure, man. And um. You said something in an interview one time, you said you come from a place where activism is personal. And I know you just talked about being an activist author, but kind of talk about what you what you mean by that. Yeah, because like my, my activism um, is led by my lived experience mm-hmm. um, and the lived experience of people that are connected to me, right? So it's influenced by everyday problems, things that I know personally. So it's not sort of, I think we live in a time where activism has become trendy. Yeah. And so people sort of go where the wind blows, right? Whatever's hot that day, whatever topic is like, gonna get, you know, the clicks. Um, but for me, it's, it's deeper than that. I've been impacted by gun violence. I've been impacted by mass incarceration. Um, I come from an impoverished community that was, uh, you know, full of crime and, and full of drugs and so, uh, mental health, all of these things that um, are real to me. And so uh, that's why I think people have allowed me to lead them um, around these issues because they are yeah. able to understand it. Mm-hmm. Not for sure. Now, you know, uh, talk about that community, uh, being raised in D.C., uh, being raised in some of those same conditions that you're trying to help people get from. Talk about, like, that upbringing. Like, what role has that played, you know, in your life as a man and a leader? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, it's foundational. Um, you know, the subculture that I come from, um, sort of frame my view of the world, right? Uh, and, and, and particularly, uh, you know, having my father go to prison at, when I was nine years old, you know, uh, getting life without the possibility of parole. Uh, that situation also, um, you know, broke my mother. So having a mom who, from about that same age, uh, when I was like nine, 10, started to battle severe mental illness. Um, growing up in an environment where my friend in my early teens preteens, honestly, my friends started to, you know, uh, be victims of gun violence. My friends started to be uh, perpetrators of gun violence. Um, so them either dying or going to prison, uh, you know, growing up in D.C. I was born in 1980. <clears throat> Coming into myself, you know, I mean, my, my those years I spoke about in the 90s, we murder capital yeah, in the yeah. United States, right? So um, that's that's what I grew up in. But also in, in, in an environment where I was loved and, and supported right. and, you know what I mean, um, you know, pushed by my family to focus on education. So all those things sort of in, 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 in the bowl created this guy who understood sort of both sides of the track. Mm-hmm. Has in my, in my own way tried to be a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and be an example of what's possible. And you notice, uh, you know, where I come from, the route that I've taken, how I've done it, um, there was no blueprint for that. And that's not like patting on the back. And I say all deference and humility, but it is the reality. Um, you know, and being 42, never going to prison, never being shot myself, being a professional college graduate, a husband, yeah. things that I think in other communities are pretty normal. But where we come from and how I did it, um, I think um, 
you know, has, has put me in a unique position to be trusted, um, to be valued. And again, I don't take the term leader lightly because people have to allow you to lead. Right. Um, but I'm, uh, the, all the people that I've helped in my life, they probably helped me even more. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's been, my work has been therapeutic. Um, my work has been um, so, so full of like gratitude. Yeah. Um, and it, is, it has really allowed me to, to be in a position where, you know, I can help people. Mm -hmm. I think that other people could not help. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And, um, you know, you just named uh, a lot of things that, you know, you, you were able to avoid and that a lot of things that described, you know, at 42. Now, um, we talk, uh, when I say we, me and you, but just the world, you know, talk about children of incarcerated parents. You know, you look at the data, you see, you know, uh, even if one parent is missing out the household, you know, so in your case, it's okay, dad is arrested at nine, but then you also touched on it, so you know, you kind of lost your mom in the midst of that too. So, you know, I know from knowing you from your schooling, you know, the people who may be mentoring in your neighborhood, but like, what do you think, like, what was the one thing that like kept you from crashing? Because it's like, when people look at your story, it's like you weren't supposed to make it. And I hate to always say that statement, but when you look at, like you said, DC in the 80s, 90s, murder capital, um, you know, being a, a son of a drug king, and coming from one of the, um, or if not the most infamous block in DC, you know, known for the history of drug trafficking. So coming from that, like what, what kept Tony from going to jail, going to the grave? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a multitude of things. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, right, uh, my path wasn't linear. You know what I'm saying? Like, because even in the midst of that, with people, I had a family, a father, you know, my mom, when she was in her right state of mind, and, you know, my, my grandmother, obviously, my aunts and uncles, people was always trying to push me to do something different. The problem was nobody did anything different. Yeah. People teach what they know, even if it's subconsciously, right? So why are you telling me to go to school, but you, you showing me you I'm getting the best tutelage in the street that anybody has ever gotten, right? Yeah. But I think also that helped because I wasn't really curious about the street. I knew the streets in and out. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I had my, my times where it was a lot of things that, you know, God's grace. Then when the bullets didn't hit me, when the FBI indicted people around me, I ain't get indicted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so, but I got to a point where, when I was, again, when I got the job, the first junior Roman leader job, which, you know, is, is, is like peer to peer violence interruption for people that was kind of close to the, uh, to the problem yeah. when I was like 20 and I really can say that the work saved my life yeah. when I saw the impact that I could have on other people um, and, I, and I felt like in my own you know in my two three block radius I was yeah. always influential right. it, but it wasn't you know and I always was the person that tried to step in mediate disputes like stop guys that I knew from beefing we got in that big beef with, with certain quarters you know yeah. but that was like the same for me we grew up together right. and I always tried to step in between certain things in, around my way um, but when I saw I could have that, I could have that effect on sort of a broader scale. Um, it gave me clarity about my purpose. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I had the, the benefit of that, of finding my purpose at that time. Um, and, you know, even to this day, I feel like if I ever turn away from that, I'll perish. So that's really been the, the trek that I've been on for the last 22 years. Yeah, you know, not for sure, bro. And um, the, the stuff that you described, you know, when you were a kid growing up in D.C., um, the violence, the murders, all those different type of things, right? You talk about a lot how in 2022, and specifically in D.C., but I think all urban communities, we're still suffering from the crack era. And, you know, from uh, the people that went to jail, from the people that lost their lives, and the people that never shook their habits. So talk about that. Like, you know, what, what through policy, through actions, like what's some of the advice you Because one thing I want people to get from this episode is the people that are kind of in that work or interested in getting in the work, I want us to really break down the layers so they can think, I mean, so they can know it's not just a project or it's not just one workshop. So talk about that just as far as like, you know, um, that impact, how it's still impacting the city today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you gotta think, um, you say the crack epidemic lasted, uh, you know, with this period of 86 to 96, right? Yeah. Um, and so you think about uh, people that were born in that time, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He was born in 95, right? Or 96, 94, whatever, right? Or 90. Um, and, and those people were born into a, a unstable environment, right? Where you had addiction, you had premature death, you had incarceration, right? And then all those people also had kids, right? So that um, instability is like being passed down and it's, mm -hmm. and it's, it's being is exacerbated as well by sort of a continuum of all of these things that we're talking about, right? 
And now we in 2022 and the offspring or the offspring of the offspring are the people that we find um, that are, that are um, you know, engaging in this, this culture of violence. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so these things, these band-aid approaches um, that were not comprehensive, that were not well thought out, and for the, the reality of it is that were not informed by people that came from those situations. And so, exactly. And I think that's why, uh, you know, it's people, because I'm not alone, people that have made it through that, but that's why people have to listen to people that have been impacted. Yeah. And then collectively, we can come up with a more comprehensive approach that can really get at the root causes. Uh, but the thing that has persisted in communities like the one I come from, though, no matter if we go back to the 20s, or the 30s, or the 40s, is poverty, right? So if we, uh, uh, violence prevention, uh, 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 substance abuse treatment, any mental health treatment, any of these things that we roll out, educational uh, literacy resources, if the, if the goal is not systemic change that has a clear focus on economic prosperity mm -hmm. for said group, then we're never gonna really stop this perpetual cycle. Yeah. Right? And that's the thing, like none of the none of these issues are um, an island, right? They're all interconnected. And we have to approach it that way. That's why I, you know, continue to use the word comprehensive. And these mm -hmm. systems have to talk to each other, man. There's yeah. so many gaps, but the gaps won't be seen by somebody that's like this had sort of this uh, drone approach where you just sort of like, now nah, you gotta really talk to the people mm -hmm. that are, are engaged in it that can really inform the work. Um, and I think we have models of where. Um, you know, where on, on a small scale that's happening. You've seen programs that, that have a sort of collaborative approach. And when you see that they have more success than others, you, that's sort of why. Yeah. Because you have all these entities sort of working together um, for a common goal. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I think, I take pride in the fact that I think DC um, is sort of ahead of the curve in a lot of that. Okay. But we got a lot, <laughs> we got further to go for sure. Yeah. But I think we, we hopefully people around the country can sort of look at what we've been able to do with certain programs right. and, we, and vice versa. And, um, you know, take best practices. The only thing I think about that is last thing I'm gonna say, I think some of this stuff really has to be hyper-local though. Yeah. Right, because, you know, my, with, with, with the dynamics of what's going on in Miami may not it's be the way. same in DC right. or Chicago or LA, though it may be violence going on in all these mm -hmm. places. Um, some of the, what can destabilize or, or disrupt the violence. Yeah. It may be, you know, have to be tweaked a little bit for that, you know, locale. But, yeah. Again, that's why you talk to the people that are that are going right. Exactly right. They can tell you where well, that won't really work here. Exactly. These are the yeah. dynamics of what we dealing with. Yeah, yeah, man. And you said you know programs and stuff like that. Um, I want you to definitely talk about um, the halfway house program. Um, I know somebody in the chat. I always um, you know congratulate you know to my hat to you because like I think it's an amazing program. Uh, what you and Angel are doing to talk about that. So uh, me and my partner Angel Gregorio um, started a program called the DC Nothing. I'm a citizen campaign, right? And the whole, uh, the backdrop is in the District of Columbia, we don't control our prison system. Um, all of our residents that are incarcerated do their time in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Um, and in about in 2021, the only halfway house that we had closed. And so now, not only do you do your time away from the District of Columbia, you even release away. So you have to go to a halfway house in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. um, for those who you know are not familiar with DC Baltimore area, sometimes people think we're like closer than what we really are. Right, it's, right. it's 35 miles away, which may, yeah. some people seem like it's not far, but that's a world away. Right. Um, and so like you're returning to somewhere that's not home. Two different worlds right? too. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so what we were able to do uh, with some support from, um, Jack Dorsey and Twitter um, was to provide, again, this comprehensive um, stabilization initiative where we provided phone, uh, tablet, one-on-one -on -one therapy, a monthly stipend to, for people to do whatever they want to do, um, family unification strategy that would allow the men in the house to take their families out to uh, re restaurants um, in the city. All the founding farmers, the fa farmers in the city, all of those, mm -hmm. all the ones that belong to that group, um, where they could, you know, just hang out with their family, yeah. free of charge, whatever the case may be. The classes, we utilize the tablet to um, get them classes around 
health and wellness, technology, financial literacy, job readiness, uh, networking, social capital, all of the above. And they, and they also got on a weekly um, support group okay. that connected them to the whole reentry ecosystem in DC. Um, the, the, I think the, the bedrock of the program, aside from like the monthly stipend for a year, was one-on-one -on -one therapy that was culturally competent therapy. And then we also provided um, a free dental screening and dental cleaning, right? Mm -hmm. We did this for 50 men. Um, and we had, we had like only two people to, to recidivate. And, and, well, I, and I say that loosely because they didn't reoffend. They just had issues at the halfway house. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. You understand what they I'm saying? No, they didn't go commit a crime, right? For the 50 people that were in, everybody stayed engaged with us. Um, it was, it's been my seminal work, right? Uh, Angel and I designed this program to be a, a, we wanted to be a national model. Um, we had it evaluated, you know, uh, we got the white paper, then we want to be able to present it to the city council, but also we want to be able to present it to Congress to say, hey, look, this is what reentry should look like. Yeah. You get people from the, out of the gate, you get them stabilized, you get them hopeful, you get them focused, and you get them connected, right? And the likelihood of them being successful is just heightened to a whole nother degree. And it's something that, you know, um, the, 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 the other part of this, remember I said, I am a citizen. The point was to treat people as such, to restore dignity and humanity to folks. And like, you're not a returning citizen, you're not an ex-offender, yeah, yeah, yeah. none of that. You're a citizen, you're, you're just, and we, because the call is for rights restoration. Um, in D.C., it was a beautiful thing that you never lose your right to vote. And we also was able to pass a bill in D.C. where even our incarcerated residents can vote. Mm. So, like, my father has participated uh, in the last few elections, right? You can mm -hmm. vote from your cell, which is sort of unprecedented. But we want, and when people return, or we want to remove the barriers around employment and housing, you know, um, in D.C. we can't really expunge felonies and things of that nature. So we got to push for expungement and records. So that's also a part of this initiative. We want to model how you treat people. Mm -hmm. And when you have high, you know, I remember reading long ago that people do what you expect. Good or bad. Yeah. And I think our expectations for this population, we have to heighten our expectations. Right. We can't keep saying, no, they're going to go back to jail. No, they're going to start getting high. Yeah. You got to watch them. Right? Well, you know what I mean? People do what you expect. And we, again, we have to have a, a, a society that believes in redemption. Um, this was sort of a redemptive and restorative approach to reentry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and again, uh, you know, if I do nothing else, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of this. And, and, you know, it's been, you know, Angel and I have done numerous things from the D.C. Native Day right. stuff uh, to all the community uh, uh, give back opportunities, you know. Uh, that we've done, you know, and so it's like a 10 years, 12 years of doing things together. Not to mention how she killing it with the Spice Suite, yeah, yeah. Um, which is now about to, she about to open up sort of her own mini uh, mall, honestly, um, called Black and Fort. Oh, okay. So incredible. But again, uh, as the, 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 the culmination of all, this has been a culmination of all the things that we've done together. Yeah. Um, it really took us, honestly, bro, it took us like, no, no exaggeration. It took us like 10 minutes to design this. But we often talk about this stuff yeah, anyway. Right, right, right. So, so we had the so opportunity so. to put it, put it together. And so again, I'm excited for the next steps of this from an advocacy standpoint. The one, and get a halfway house up and running in the District of Columbia. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's been catastrophic, bro. Like, and without what we've done, you know, who, who knows what would have been going on with those guys. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I look forward to, um, you know, growing this and, and, and getting making DC, you know, um, which we like years ahead of a lot of people in reentry, but yeah. we got so much far to go. Yeah. Particularly without we got the most competitive job market in the country. Right. We can, we don't have any autonomy over the kind of interventions our residents receive while incarcerated. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of so every most people are returning to us unprepared to be competitive in DC. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then so you you, you remember I said nothing's an island. And when you look at a lot of the victims of violent crime, bro, they're people that have been touched by the criminal justice system, people that have been justice involved. And so when we think about the barriers, the inability to, to, to quickly and seamlessly matriculate back into the workforce and, and, and be able to obtain family support and, or family sustaining employment, you, you find people sort of having to like fall back into like this maze. And, it, and, and this is where it ends up. Or they go back to prison or they wind up die, you know, dying 
you know what I mean? That's yeah. why I was out working life and death. These right, things right. are that serious. And, 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 and the more barriers we remove, um, I think the better we'll be, uh, you know, as, as a society. As long as we continue to, um, we got to watch these guys, they can't let them work beside you, all this kind of stuff. Particularly in, in the cases where there's no rational relationship between crime and job. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? We know the, the bank robber can't work at Wells Fargo. We get that. <laughs> and I've said that before, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Or somebody who has a, a sex offense against a child uh, shouldn't work at a school. Mm-hmm. There's no pushback there. Right. Um, but we also have to think about. You know, people pay their debt to society. The yeah. judge sends them. They did that time. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, you can't keep making people, you know, sort of. How does that make us safer as a community to keep people isolated, ostracized? You know what I mean, for real. Yeah, yeah, bro. You know, you just talked about everything. Um, you know, in that and um, some of the stuff like you talked about commerce, you talked about citizen, you talked about policy. So for those who are listening, um, they may not understand. You know, DC not being a state, um, DC being a city. And it's kind of like a two, three part question, but um, what's the relationship between, you know, like DC not being a state, how does that affect us when it comes to federal sentencing? And also how does that affect us when it comes to, like you said, coming up with this comprehensive um, re-entry, like, you know, policies? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with us not being a state, you know, and in 1997, uh, the, the National Capital Revitalization Act, um, that I think uh, Bill Clinton wanted to sign into law, mm-hmm. Um, but he gave the federal government control of our uh, criminal justice system. Um, and so with that, um, you know, again, we don't, we, the city doesn't inform what happens to our residents when they go to prison, right? Particularly from a, a, a rehabilitative standpoint, it's, it's not under our control, right? Um, now, everybody goes in, in, into the, the federal system, though. It's, you know, just like in the state, you have your state courts, you have your district courts. When DC, you got the Superior Court, which is for DC code offenses, right? Where you break local law, and then you also have, uh, you know, district court, which is the federal court. And though it's just here, every, no matter which court you come out of, you go to do your time in the federal system. But everybody from DC doesn't have a federal charge. When it comes to federal uh, laws, though, right? We don't have input because we don't have a voting member. We don't have senators, right? Yeah. So we don't have input. <laughs> whatever happens, like people we talk about, it's almost like we we like somebody holding our hand almost. No, in fact, we yeah. don't have any voice, but we do pay more taxes than people in in, in majority of the states. Yeah. Taxation but we it, <laughs> we are it taxation without representation, right? We we cannot inform what happens on a national level. That's the problem. Like, and so there are people from other states that make the decisions for us. And, and so to bring this full circle, right? So some, we've had, like Congress has to, the committee in Congress has to sign off on everything that happens. We have, we're under what they call home rule, but that a congressional committee could not allow us to do certain things. Mm-hmm. If, just for instance, if the Democrats um, lose the midterm elections, right? If 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 they lose the House and the Senate, and then in 2024 they get a Republican president, right? Quite possibly, just say some DC, very liberal city, DC is a pro-choice city. But after this Roe v. Wade decision, the Supreme Court, DC would be like. Abortion is still legal in D.C., but that Congress, that Republican Congress, could say no, right? Our gun laws, right? We had some of the strictest gun laws in the, in 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 in, um, in, in the country. That Republican, if, 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 if that ship goes to the right with the Republicans, our gun laws can be changed from a congressional level. That can't happen in the state. The state has to do it, right? So it's for people out there who want to understand, like what you know. A lot of times we just been Congress has, has sort of been on our side, if you will, as far as you know, letting DC sort of control its own affairs. But it does not have to be that way. Those are the things that you know um, are dangerous to our way of life. We don't really have control over our own destiny in DC because we're not a state. Yeah. Um, you know, for those of us that grow up there. Um, I think we are oblivious to a lot of that, yeah. you know, and again, in our lifetime, Congress has not overstepped, you know what I'm saying? But they could, they can, right? they can. and it's, it would be absolutely nothing 
um, we could do about it. The the last thing I'm gonna say on that, just for people, as far as the, how problematic this could be, um, in a, in a worst case scenario kind of thing. But on January the sixth, our mayor cannot activate the national guard. She does not have that power in a state. The governor, which would the mayor would be, a, is akin to a governor. Mm -hmm. If we were a state, we wouldn't have a mayor. The mayor would be the governor, right? Which she could. The governor controls the national guard. Right. You know, get what I'm saying? The president is really the governor of the District of Columbia. Yeah, yeah. And when we saw that between saw, her and Trump. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So those are the kind of things that, uh, you know, so we, from a policy level, we don't have a voice. And, um, you know, our warrior on the hill, Eleanor Holmes Norton, she's a delegate. You know, in, 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 in the, when the Democrats are in power, they empower her, but she's not a voting member. Yeah. She's not a voting member, and obviously we don't have senators, so. Yeah, 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 man. Now, um, with, with your career, um, I think, in the work, um, just in general, um, you're probably one of the, not even probably, you are one of the most influential people, not only in D.C., but I think in this work, in this space. So. A lot of times, you know, we, we see it and we know that people may want to get into work, people may want to play a certain role, but they may not be received by the people in a certain way. You know, nowadays, everyone on Instagram, people kind of consider themselves an influencer or they call themselves an influencer. But, you know, talk about, like, how did you build this influence? Was it natural? Did you take a certain approach to, like, this how I'm going to do my community work? Or was you just being told and people just loved you? That's a good question, man. I think it's kind of combination of both as I got you know, into my career more probably in the last seven years seven to ten years I've been more intentional but prior to that I was just being me yeah. you know um, trying to help my people you know and it started off again helping people that was like in my immediate orbit um, but as I got into work that influence you know sort of expanded I think um, you know I was doing this work like ten years ten eleven years before social media even you know you know, got like real big, or well, at least before I got on social media, you know what I'm saying? Um, but when I got, when I, when I, when that Twitter hit, Facebook and all that stuff came, I had a decade of service, right? Like real service, direct service to people that were the most disconnected. That laid a foundation, right? That's my tribe. That's what I'm accountable to. Uh, and I say that because I think in the new, in the, in the now, you know, with the advent of social media and Instagram, you know, growing like, you know, tick, you know all these different, it's, it's become a part of the way we're human. And so people aren't, their foundation is being laid there. Yeah. To people, it's virtual. It's not direct. Um, but I think I never left that direct. I still, even though I'm present in the, on, you know, in that world, I still do this stuff every day. I, you know what I mean? I do this every day. I'm in the work daily. Yeah. Um, I think that's what makes me different. And that's what has, uh, I think, uh, allowed me to when I do say something, people understand that, again, it's informed. Um, I'm not just talking. Right. You know what I mean? I'm a doer. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, uh, how they say I got receipts, if that's yeah. it. <laughs> but I do. I have evidence yeah. of my work. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And, I and you show that a lot. Like, I like Throwback Thursday. Like, you show people, like, this thing going on. Man, don't it's not a trend for me. Yeah. And I'm not, that's not, and I don't say that like it's a shot. But what I do believe that for whomever fashion yourself, you're a leader, but wear your flock. Yeah. And not so much like in terms of like how many people you lead, but again, back, who are you accountable to? Mm -hmm. Who holds you accountable in your actions, in your words? in your deeds, where you do that at? Because how can you speak to this or speak or expect that we follow? Where you do that at? Or are you just an orator, right? Yeah. Or did you just, you are you connected to somebody that has influence? Right. Or was it like this hotbed topic that you sent out a, like a provocative tweet about and now you lit? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I ain't mad at that, but like, I don't have that luxury. Yeah. Right, because when people come home from prison, when people lose their children in violence, People are hungry. People looking for a job. People looking for a house, right? Or housing, whatever. They, I get those calls. People come to my door. I yeah. can't. And sometimes I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I could spend more time being intentional to be able to 
the, 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 you know, strategically place myself in certain, I wish I could do that honestly yeah. sometimes, you know, but that's not what I feel like the creator wanted, you know, mm -hmm. wants for me, he wants me to be in, at this time, he wants me to be in the spaces that I'm in. Reachable. You know, I, mean, I told you one day, uh, you laugh, but I really meant this, like, bro, it's something when people who ain't got nothing to smile about when they see me, when they smile, yeah. bro. Yeah. Don't take that lightly. People see me, they, don't, they, they see me and, and they smile and they greet me. Um, strangers walk up to me and say, thank you for what you do. Right. I mean, I know, especially black men. You in the middle of a party, I've seen it happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't take that lightly. Because I, I know what it takes for us to, to do right, that. Right, right. Especially you know another man. Another Your man. age, grew up with you. You know? Yeah. Your peers just want to let you know. And you know, it's also, I think it dispels a myth that like, we don't value positivity. Mm -hmm. We don't, we value good stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm talking about guys from all walks of life. You know what I mean? Some of the most hard, the hardest guys extend that courtesy to me. Yeah. Because they know I'm fighting for them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, if, and I've been told too a lot of ways. I mean, I think I, I represent some of what people really want to be. They really want to do. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. And that's why I feel like my role is to create some right, right. pathway for them to be able to see to that do. they can. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's what and I'm saying. Yeah, because you know, you, um, I think something with you that's also impressive, right? And for a lot of people that's listening, that's in the work, they want to get in the work. Or like you say, you know, these guys are coming home from prison. Uh, we need to train them up and allow them to come in the community to be the leaders. These need to be the guys that the policymakers are sitting in front of and hear their voice, right? But in your case, not just influencing the city, right? You mentioned some of all your neighborhood search supporters had a beef, you know, through the people that listen to DC is not a gang thing. So you have maybe 20, 30 year fuse that are going on between two neighborhoods. How did you influence, you know, how did that change where you were able to influence people that once wanted to kill you and your friends? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's like a different type yeah. of, so how did that, cause I, cause what, and the reason I'm asking is because you know, the population that you're helping, as we know, they're coming home and they may have done stuff back in the day, they may have had street food, uh, fuse, but they may not want to get in that lane and be like, I'm not trying to help that neighborhood or I can't go here. But what like made people look at like, oh, that's Tony, man. We ain't tripping on what happened 20 yeah, years ago. I mean, that's that's a hell of a question, because that's been real. Like I've been in, you know, my the work been in my class and dudes that been shot at me in the class. Or dude that might have killed somebody I love. Yeah. What I think, because again, it all it starts with the individual. You know, and, and, and you know, I've been put in some real situations where um well, you have to be the message that you bring. Yeah. I think that's what has helped me. People know that I'm not just saying this. What I'm asking you to do, I've done. I've provided grace. I've forgiven. You understand what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I've turned out the cheek, if you will. I've done that. People know that. And, 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 and so the, the, everything I did, I did it from hand over too, right? So it's not like, so people know, people really know me. They know what I've been through. They know what I've done. They, they know me. So it's like, I can, that's why. Cause I know he ain't just talking, right? He's actually been he's in the same sense. Right. Yeah. He's helped people that once wanted to do. And, and so I think you lead by example is my, mm -hmm. my point. And you gotta, it has to be unwavering. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest challenges of my life was in 2008, my little cousin Alan got killed. Um, at that time, I mean, I was, you know, I had been on the BT American Gangster in 07 and that year, um, in 08, you know, my, 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 my platform was, was, was rising, if you will. By that time, I had been, you know, doing my work for like eight years, you know, it, people were starting to look to me as like, yeah. and, and he was the closest thing to me. I ain't got, I'm the only child, he's like my little brother, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He got killed around our way. And that was like a piece of me left with him. You know what I'm saying? I was, I, 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 it changed me. Uh, but, but it presented um, a, a, a situation where I really felt like, you know, not, not to say that like God works in this way, but I really think it was like, what you gonna do? You be in these communities saying this, squash the beef, stop, keep the peace, stop. Yeah. And he dropped that at my feet. I wanted vengeance, man, so badly. Like, I mean, it hurt me so bad that, you know, I was, I was in a mindset that 
retribution is a must. Yeah. And not just for, it's for whoever even may be associated with it. Um, but this may sound crazy, but I, I, the movie 300 is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But it's a scene in there where um, a guy, one of, the, one of the Spartans, his son is fighting alongside him. And his son wanted to make his father proud, right? It's, it, after they fight the Persians, he kind of take his eye off the prize and the Persian come and cut his head off. You know, his father, and, and trying to get to him, he killed about 10 Persians. And when he reached his son, though, his son still decapitated. My point is, again, it's just how it, it impacted me, was like, no matter what I do, I can't bring Alan back. Right? I had that, I had that real moment. Yeah. Um, and it would, I knew too, it would ruin everything that I had worked for. Um, and I had to let that go. My life since 08, though, you know, 14 years ago, I've done things that I never even dreamt about. You understand what I'm saying? Like, and so that kind of thing for people, I try, I share that with them. Like, no matter what though, and dude, I be here, dude, I ain't waving no white flag to me and all that. <laughs> I know that feeling. I know what that feel like. Not to mention all the other situations of friends I done lost close to me before Alan. That right. was that was like the, the I mean, best family. Yeah, it was just different. Brother, yeah. It was different. And he questioned everything about because everything around that stuff happened to other people. Family. That don't happen to our family. Yeah, yeah. Who gonna play? Who gonna even play with us? That you know, those are the yeah. things. My ego. These all of all the dynamics. Um, and I try to share that with young men. Like, yo, like, listen, bro, you got something. You not gonna. You ain't bringing nothing back. And it's a it's something greater for you. You know what I mean? So like. Dude told me never put a question mark with God, place a period. Um, and it's important to know that whatever you're going through, you're like, whatever loss you, you experience that is meant to teach you something, you just gotta stay in the game. And and, and again, like that, that emotional regulation, um, that checking yourself, that self-evaluation. Yeah. But I had something to lose too many of our youngers that's in the mix. They don't see that, they ain't really got nothing to lose. And that's why we gotta always work towards maintaining hope in our community, bro, and showing people that they're important. And they, we not only do they have something to lose, but when 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 they lose, we lose. We can't lose right. them. Yeah. We gotta operate from that space that, that we can't afford to lose you as a as a young man or woman in our community because you have something to contribute to sort of the, the broader community. Um, and yeah, man, that 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 I think all all I say all that to say. I think some of that, that's where it has allowed people to say, nah, he, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, yeah. he the real deal. Like, he, he been there. Yeah, he yeah. understand, you know, and, and has allowed me to have influence enough to make them, um, you know, think a certain, a different way sometimes. Because yeah. we know, right? <laughs> I it don't always work, yeah. you know, but I think you the energy, the energy I carry um, has, and, you know, I think people, you know, granted me, provided me with grace. And people also know that I've, I've done that. I've stopped people from, you know, people talking about how many, you know, this dude, he hit it, he stepped with da 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 da, he put work in, blah, blah, blah. I ain't never took life, but I saved a lot of lives. Yeah, yeah, and I had yeah. people, you know what I mean? And I think, I know my life has been in other people's hands. People say, Rabbi, I never hear about somebody saying, nah, dude, myself, I'm not gonna work tone. Or, nah, somebody stopped that. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I'm. I'm Every day, man. That's what I say. I feel like the luckiest man alive, man. Yeah, to be doing what you're doing, man. Yeah. And um, next topic, I know this, this is relatable, but when we talk about the book, you know, we talk about uh, Tony the author. So um, the book, you know, I know you always say that you wanted this book to kind of be a guide to someone who's coming from those environments, someone who's a child of a carceral parents, who's losing friends, all those type of things. So let's jump into like, when, when did you decide like I need to write a book? Because like you said, you was doing so much. Hoodie Award, BT, speaking, you know, when you in the work, but what made you think, like, nah, this need to be in a book? Yeah, man. So it's funny you mentioned the Hoodie Award, which that happened in 2011. Um, I think that, when I went, you know, I was, uh, you know, the best community leader, uh, but I was 31 at the time. Yeah. You know, everybody else in the category was like in their 40s. Right. You know what I mean, <laughs> even the people at the show, it's just like a more older leaning demographic, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and like when I won that award though, I was like telling myself like, I feel like uh, I wanted to share my story 
or a series of stories that I had used to reach the same individuals that we're talking about yeah. that nobody else can reach. But I know those people don't just exist in DC, right? I wanted to, you know, be able to impact people like the people that I was working with everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, though, I thought it was important to educate people that wasn't from the communities like the one we from about the, the, the beauty and the humanity that exists in our community, you know? Yeah. So sort of those two things is what motivated me to say, man, you know what, I'm gonna do it. But everybody was looking at me, I got, let, let me tell you something, bro. I got no positive, like, <laughs> feedback. <Yeah. laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not from my girl I was dealing with at that time, <laughs> not from my family, not from my father, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody, no, it wasn't like nobody was like, but the energy just was like, but what, do you think it was more like, because I know a black family's like, don't we go and tell it all our business? Was it that type of stuff? Nah, that came later. <laughs> that definitely came. When I, that, that definitely was a part of it. Yeah. But it was just like, you so you still young. Like, you 31, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah and, and I, think, I, think, I think also, I think, and I think this, this even was a part of even when the book came out. The, the, the perception was that my book was going to be about my father. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The book about, about me. Right, right. Obviously, he, his life that he a part of. He yeah. my dad. But I ain't writing a book about how much cocaine he sold. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. right in, in. So like, what I saw, what I knew that people didn't wasn't thinking about at the time was that, you know, our lives, my family, we a microcosm of like, you know what I'm saying, thousands of people in this country. You know, and, and so it was important that that story. My story was being told out. It was different. Yeah. You know, told from a perspective that hadn't, hadn't been shown. First, from the lens of a child growing up, you know, in this environment, but somebody who didn't get saved by, you know, some outside force. Right, right. Somebody who did not necessarily have, not to say that I don't have any talents, but I ain't play basketball. Yeah. I wasn't in entertainment. I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, a person who, Serve his community um, and, and really, you know, made community work uh, cool. We, I took community out of the hands of the politician or the, or the clergy. Or the person. Yes. Yeah. And put it in the hands of us going through it. Right, right. And, and that, um, sorry to cut you off, but they got me thinking about um, when I first stopped, and we met in 2012, and I remember this first time following just everything he was doing and seeing it continue to progress, you know. From uh, Wale, Fat Trail, Shaq, Lizzie, Pusha T, all these different people in the music industry, right? Sometimes people would look and be like, oh, you know, Tony's cool, he's hanging with these guys, and this and the third. But I always notice how you make them become a part of your work, whether that's helping with a turkey drive, whether that's Pusha talking about, you know, uh, 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 mass incarceration issues, or going to the White House and bringing you up and those type of things, right? So how do you do that without, you know, thinking, hey, man, we rapping, we ain't trying to do none of that stuff you want to tell him. But like, Fatrell, you know, Fatrell, everything he raps about, his rep, he even said this song, like, they wasn't fucking with me, so they say Tony Lewis fucking with me. Like, you know, so how did you like bridge that gap? Because I like, just keep talking, but I think it's like, everybody can't do that. Yeah, I know, man. I think, I think, I guess that's one of, the, one of my talents, I guess. But again, those guys respecting who I am, right? And, what I do for us, right? And they see and you and see them too. Yeah. Exactly. And me not, so 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 also I think them in, in many ways seeing me as a contemporary or as a peer, particularly someone like Wale and Push, you know, I'm a little older than, than Trail and Glizzy, so they saw me more like, you know, big homie trying yeah. to, and you know, at the time too, the whole, the, the avenue of the DC and that movement was about them for real. Yeah. Help, about the music, about the artists, leveraging my connectivity to the city, to my generation to say, man, we need to be supporting these guys. So, you know, but also that I'm what they what they are in their space, I'm that in my space. Yeah. That's why I meant like seeing me as a contemporary, like, you know, and it's not I'm not trying to leverage who you are to help me. This is this is mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna step outside my lane. I want you to come, yeah, come if this on what what I do. And I'm sorry, because it's like, it ain't like you about to be like, hey, let's go lay a verse down. <laughs> like, I ain't trying to kill your word. And then when, if you had the turkey drive too, like, huh, yeah, grab a box. Yeah. Pass the shit out. Because 
and, and like I'm, I'm putting up my, I'm putting up my money. So if you gonna help bring some turkeys, I'm bringing mine too. Yeah. I always put down. I, I I I made my contribution, and people know that. That's what I'm saying. Again, that's why brother is them or somebody just that's just come through to help out. And I think people value that about me as well. That I value everybody. So if Wale at the turkey drive. And that's my dog, like, yeah, but then when my, when my man from around my way come drop off a turkey, it's the same thing. Right, exactly. You know, or whether it's Raheem, Devon, or, or Quicksilver, or yeah. uh, Chef JR, whoever, we partners in, the, in, 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 in those, uh, or Angel, obviously, right? Salomo. Yeah. The important piece, though, is that none of us are the focus of these events. The focus are the people we serve in. And, and I think, again, man, that's, and I've been unwavering. I haven't changed in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and again, but I, I value all those brothers and, and, and especially all the um, times that they, you know, mention me, bro. Yeah, they yeah. just don't have to do, bro. Right. Whether in their records or, or, or in interviews or, or maybe even in rooms I never even know they mentioned. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that was like when watching the. Uh, when Pusha was on, uh, think how ninety seven with Ebro, yeah. like you know, he mentioned like Tony Lewis, so, like Pusha just lit up, like yeah, yeah, I seen that, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's, bro. it's just different, like <laughs> uh, that's you know, and it's somebody, yeah, man, you know, like I can't even really find the words to uh, express like the gratitude that I had for Push, you know, Ralph, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. At the time, like I remember while he was on Sway one day, uh, and he just brought me up. You know, bought up slug. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. take that lightly, bro. Right. Or, or push even on his last run. You know, when he was on the press for the best album of the year. <laughs> um, you know, even in that, just bringing me up on Breakfast Club, bring me up on High Ninety Seven again. But also knowing that I have been on those shows too, right? And they yeah. like, and they like, yeah, you know, they brought some handover, bro. I do community work. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like even. Knowing that some of these things that happened before, I just, it's still, I never try to lose, like, that ain't regular. Yeah. And again, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm appreciative of that. And I'm appreciative that, like, you know, uh, you know, it, it, like, we, you know, from street culture, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, certain things had a run, right? Like, I had a run, I've been, I've been, I had a run for two decades. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've been running. Yeah. I had a run. My run has continued because I have not uh, lost sight of the people and I think people respect that mm -hmm. and I don't center tone yeah it is it's never been about me yeah. even in my advocate me advocating for you know the whole free tone Lewis movement um and trying to free my dad my activism never was has been solely about him right even in the stuff that being pushed collaborated with, with the two-point reduction of him y'all help you know yeah. we wrote, wrote in and all that did we that bill we got the sentencing commission passed that but Something that was like, again, I thought that that would free my dad, but it wound up we free thousands of people the right, first right. All these things I worked on or helped advocate for, um, we still haven't even benefited from it yet, yeah, yeah. but thousands of people have. And that's how I ain't like it. Sometimes I sit from the outside and look at it like, you know, being your dog, and I'm like, damn, like everything you do, like it shows that like, you're not doing this for your benefit, but it's like every move you're making, this person coming home, this person getting a job, this person that, and then like I'll see you post like you're 31, you're 32, you're 33, and I'll be thinking like, damn, like, why can't this pops get out, you know what I'm saying, why can't he benefit from that, you know, we talk about it being a non-violent crime, the whole, you know, that's a whole other conversation we could jump into, but that, I think, should show people, like, you know, he's not doing this for nothing about him yeah. or his dad, because like you said, you've been on a 20-year run. Yeah, like, bro, like, it's, you know, it's really about, because, because I'm connected to this issue if my dad was not in prison, this was still, everybody around right. me in prison would have been in jail, bro. Like that's I think people because obviously you know I'm my father's son. Everybody, yeah, it's not just one situation. It's not just one because everybody would be doing it. Man. My whole <laughs> life has been marred by incarceration. I remember I was on a guy, uh, old time Rose Brown. He got a show on WPFW, mm. and he's like Tony had done at that. You know he was like Tony been, been been in jail his whole life. Like I've really been. Going to prison is my whole. Even before my dad went to prison, my uncles was locked up. Yeah. You know I mean, this has been a. This has been my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My aunt been to prison. My. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and um, not to mention all my cousins, my friends. You know, uh, but at the time, so many people made it back. You know, even 95% of people that are in prison will 
return. My father has a life without the possibility of parole, man. I think people um, don't really understand that. That's a yeah. death sentence, man. Yeah. You yeah. know, if nothing changes, my dad has to die in prison. Yeah. That's my biggest fear. Um, but, but you know, due to racial, races and draconian, uh, uh, you talk about policy, sentencing uh, guidelines and things of that nature that, you know, we have to undo that. And not just my father's tens of thousands of particularly black and brown men that uh, families though that have been disconnected because of this and it's time to reunite that that's why i hope that you know the free tone Lewis rally again was about yeah. not just my dad but all the men and women that have been victims of uh the war on drugs and they have been held accountable they should have went to prison yeah. that's the other thing i think gets lost my, my dad was not innocent right i've never that's never i've never maintained that i've never said anything remotely close to that. He's not a political prisoner. Yeah. He's not, none, none of that. Yeah. He deserved to go to prison, just not for the rest of his life. And for those listeners don't know that your dad has been the influence while incarcerated to other inmates. Other inmates? Yeah. Obviously me, like I'm off his tree, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, it's not the narrative that I chose to just do something. I'm, I'm who I am because of him. Yeah. He was the, the, the one of the primary like people pushing me to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's done unlimited, like, restorative and redemptive acts to help young inmates starting programs um we've collaborated on so many yeah, things we squashed beef we, we we've done uh psas for the city aimed at at-risk young people you know we've done all kinds of things uh all the stuff i did with children with incarcerated parents he was inside identifying guys to help get the list together of the kids, the addresses. So he played the inside role, I played yeah, the outside yeah. role. All those things we did with the with the toy drives every year, the school giveaways, the turkey drives, all of that stuff was like a collaborative, for the last decade, yeah. 12 years actually, he and I have been doing that, right? right? So uh, I don't even, I don't know if it's um, um, anybody inside that has done so much to have uh, an impact and barter what the wrongs that he's did in the past, you know, yeah. by, by doing positive things to help, you know, his community. Yeah. You yeah. know, really, really I, I don't. And I'm I'm not saying that, uh, you know, obviously I'm biased, I guess, but I'm not, it's real. Like I said, we got the evidence. You know what I'm saying? We have evidence yeah. of this of this stuff. You know, we've taken council members up to right. Cumberland to see my dad's program, you know what I'm saying? The homie Chip, um, it's called Why Am I? Um, so, uh, Kenyon, Trayon, and Robert White uh, went with me up there. Uh, Jimmy was with us on, on one time we went up there. You yeah. know, it's stuff like that, bro. It's right. like sitting council members in a in a federal prison mm-hmm. talking to DC inmates about how we can make money, and then bills, the 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 the, the, the bill uh, that's the Robert White uh, the vote the the restore the vote yeah. bill. You don't think that visit the Cumberland talking to my dad and them influence him on that the and near act. what you said earlier about God they got connected people's going Absolutely. Through. You know what I mean? Trayon's efforts and you know, you know, which he, you know, doing stuff, Kenya's efforts around Ira, you know. These things are real. These yeah. guys not only but they connect to this population on their own, but these kind of things like, you know, me and my dad, you know what I'm saying, things like that, that had influence on that. So my father's been able to like sort of do those kind of things. We're grateful for that. Because early on in his being, like, these are things I never thought could happen. But I never thought I would be able to go into a federal prison and interview my father. Yeah. Bro. I never thought somebody would speak at, at his prison. These are things I, you know, we, we couldn't conceive that. Yeah. Especially like the first 13 years of his sentence, he was in California. Yeah, so. It's things that people don't even understand, you know, and I'm, I do, you know, with all craziness is, sad it is, he's done been, you know, locked up all his time. Um, I am grateful that we have a relationship, bro. Yeah. Prison will grow the most sacred bond, bro. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not easy to maintain. Not to mention, you know, now I got two little girls that, you know, I'm trying to keep them. They have a great relationship, as good as it could be, right? Yeah. They know who he is and their pop up. And, and I value that. That's, again, that's not, that's not a gift. Yeah, yeah. And that was going into my last question before we wrap this up. It's just um, talk about your family, man, your wife and your kids. Like, you go on this 20 year run. We know you the people's made, the people's champion. Y'all was about to travel. You here now, now here down here right now for a retreat. Yeah. So talk about, you know, the role they play, like, you know, you being a, a husband, you being a dad, and, you know, the support. Just kind of talk about the legs. I think out of everything, and I even think, I know 
out of everything we talked about today, me knowing you, um, doing the work, the influence, the policy, influence, all that type of stuff, at the end of the day, family is the most important thing to you. And I think you'll exemplify that in how you do your work. But, you know, we talked about the upbringing of you and your family, but now you starting your own family. And still in your hood, you still, you ain't never leave. Yeah. So talk about yeah. that, like, yeah. Yeah, raising my, my family in the same house I grew up in. Um, they my everything, bro, just sort of alluded to it, like, in my muses, you know? Yeah. They influence everything that I do, and I'm do, I, I trying to make the world a better place for, for them, a safer place for them, um, and, and trying to, um, you know, Jessica, uh, has been like uh, uh, like just so special like for me, you know what I mean? Um, we 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 yin yang as I think any marriage should be. Uh, she 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 strong when I'm weak, and and she brings balance to my life, you know what I mean? Um, and and you know that it ain't easy because you you know they gotta share me with the world in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? But they understand mm-hmm. why and, and who I am. And, you know uh, why it's necessary that I have to, but I, you know, I've been, I've become much more uh, selective with my time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't leave them unless it's something that's really about something important. Right. 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 You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Otherwise, spending time with, with them. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, I've been, tra- I'm very transparent in general. But yeah. I also want, you know, dudes to understand man, how like how beautiful uh, my family not wait. You know, my wife and my children, they're not awake. You know, and I think sometimes, like, people, like, and, and that's why, I, you know, because, like, I, we have fun, bro. Like, we, you know, I think people don't see family in that way. It's like, oh, when I have a family, that means I, got, I can't have fun no right, more. I can't. I'm like, <laughs> man, it's like, that's, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah. I've lived more since, you know, you know, life is just even more beautiful now. You know what I'm saying? With them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but again, it, I, Become even more motivated though, um, and, and, and trying to be a better man, trying to be more accountable, you know, checking myself, trying to be healthier um, physically and mentally, yeah. you know, because I gotta be, I wanna be here, you know what I mean? So, all they just, you know, have uh, continued to influence me, man, and, and make me challenge myself to get better. Yeah, yeah man, it's the God's greatest gift to me, bro. No, no, no questions, bro. So before we get up out of here, man, what's what's next for Slug? You know, you said 20-year yeah. run, book, speaking engagement, celebrity friends, policy passing. What's next after these, you know, 20 years? What's next for the next 20? Yeah, man, I, I, I want to continue to make uh, make impact, though, right? Uh, in whatever way uh, I can. Um, I want to continue to build my, uh, my network, my social capital. Um, you know, I want to... I want I want Slug to be become a, 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 a series or a movie. Yeah, I really want that to 50 happen. Fifty Cent, Fifty, if you listen. Yeah, man, <laughs> like for real. I, I think you know, um, you know, and Slug. I think still seven years have been out, but I think it's still such a, a, a hidden jewel. Yeah. Um, I want to continue to scale Slug. I want I want Slug to. My dream was for it to be in every school yeah. uh, in America. Uh, so yeah. I want to continue to to push that. Um, I, I want to also get around the country even more. This summer has been very emblematic on that. Like I, I like, I've been, you know, to, to Chicago, I've been to Portland, down here in Miami, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like really going around because I feel like my, my vantage point is, is necessary. Um, you know, uh, I think I have a unique uh, perspective on this and I, got, I have solutions. Mm-hmm. And so I plan on, you know, uh, being more, um, impactful more than you know on, on, on a national level but for real man you know who knows guys the limit yeah and i know that you know what i'm saying yeah i'm nah, looking for forward real. to it you know whatever yeah. it bring no nah, for real brother man appreciate oh, you and oh and free and tony lewis right right <laughs> yeah bro like for real yeah. on everything my father not won't die in prison bro yeah so that that, that I, I gotta say that i want to i want to because i got i want to i want to manifest that i want to yeah. say that out loud no, no i'm gonna get my father out of prison no question, bro. Yeah, man, I appreciate this today. Um, you know, we could go on hours and hours, but um, definitely, man, I think for me, um, I personally want to uh, give you your flowers, like, on some real shit, like, and thank you for playing uh, such an important role in my life. Like, you know, outside of the work and the family piece, 
that's what I love to see the most, and that's what I always take from you the most. You know what I mean? Like, I come from a great family, but my parents split when I was young, so I didn't really grow up getting that tradition of just seeing that, you know, going on the trips, you know, with the kids, all that. We ain't had it. We, I still live a good life, but it was just sure, mom this side, dad that side. Yeah. So seeing you do that, man, like, it makes me look forward to it. Um, I take a lot of values from, you know, uh, that you talk about morals. Um, you know, stuff set off the silence. Stuff you on silence just talk about so much, like being a man, being a leader, what not to do, how not to be tweaking, how not to be doing too much. Yeah. You know, so man, I thank you for that, bro. Like those watching this, watching, listening, when we talk about networking, and that's the whole purpose of this podcast, and me just showing y'all the power of networking, how it can change your life. People don't even know. Like I met him on the corner. I pulled up, wanted to buy a hoodie. You know what I'm saying? Hit him up on Facebook, he's selling DC enough for his buy a hoodie. Said, yeah, man, you should come up there state to speak. Came up there state, and like we've been locked in for 10 years. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh-huh. So it's like, I appreciate you, bro. And, um, appreciate you back. You know, yeah. you know, it ain't just one way. I learn a lot from you. And I'm proud of you. You know that. Yeah, appreciate you know that, bro. You already know. So yeah, dog. Skylar, that's what Skylar, Skylar limit for you. Ain't yeah. I can't wait. To watch yeah, we're we gonna manifest this next episode. We're gonna be in the beach house. Yeah, be, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, be in the yeah. beach house yeah, now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but that's a bad bro. I appreciate you. Love you, son. Love you too, my man. Look, get up, dog. Y'all need some home, nigga. Make sure that I was eating. Uh, yeah, definitely. So then we need somebody to look up to for. Who working hard and that shit paying off and they stand down, bent, you know, keeping faith, whatever, whatever. Definitely look the edge, man. So, yeah, never give up on yourself, bro. A lot of us, you I mean, look up to you from a distance or up close, you know, for our own inspirations and to keep us motivated. Thank you for tuning into Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode.